You are listening to the Effective Statistician Podcast, the weekly podcast with Alexander Schacht, Benjamin Pieske and Sam Gardner designed to help you reach your potential, lead great science and serve patients without becoming overwhelmed by work. Today, I'm talking about how I'm training others in improving their visualization skills. I'll give you all the hints and tips and tricks how to do that in an effective way. So stay tuned and now some music. I'm a big fan of PSI. That's why I'm also promoting PSI here. And I'm really doing this not just because PSI is sponsoring this, but because PSI is really an awesome community. And this, I'm producing this podcast in association with PSI. PSI is a community dedicated to leading and promoting the use of statistics within the healthcare industry for the benefit of patients. There's a lot you can get from PSI. There's the video on demand content library. There's free registration to PSI webinars. There is reduced um, fees for all kinds of different events and much, much more. And the fee is really, really small. For non-high income countries, it's just 20 pounds. By the way, for students, it's free. So if you know any students, tell them it's for free. And it's also only 95 pounds annually for high income countries. That's about the same number in euros or in uh, dollars at the current rate. Visit the PSI website at psiweb.org to learn more about PSI activities and become a PSI member today. Training is a very, very important topic for us statisticians. We are training people all the time. Today, I want to give you insights on how I train others, other statisticians, other non-statisticians, on data visualization. And there's a couple of things that you will take from here that you can apply actually to any training. The first step is that I set expectations. I think this is really, really important because if you don't set expectations, then people can easily be dissatisfied at the end. And also you need to make sure whether it's the right training for them. I once kind of went through this step and some of the, one of the participants said, that's not for me, I can save this uh, 90 minutes uh, training. That's completely fine, yeah? That's much better than spending 90 minutes and then getting a bad recommendation and bad feedback because you didn't set expectations. How do I set expectations? Well, I ask the participants about what do they think they will get from the training. Of course, they, you know, over the, the landing page and so the whole registration process, of course, you have already set expectations in terms of what this training is about, who is the target audience, what are the goals, and things like this. But it's always good to kind of hear sp more specifically about that. When I'm in a 
face-to-face -face situation. I even write these expectations down on a, on a whiteboard yeah, or on a flip chart so that I can, at the end of the meeting, of the training, come back to that and show kind of expectation one, ticked off, we discussed about that. Expectation two, ticked off, we also discussed about that. Expectation three, mostly, but we didn't completely get to that. Second thing, start with a case study. It's always great to start with stories that engages people, that here shows the value of data visualization. It's especially great if the um, case study is something that resonates with them. That's why I really love to have kind of homogeneous groups in terms of people that I train on data visualization. So for example, if you want to train physicians, it's great to have people that come from the same indication. Let's say you're you know, explaining something to dermatologists, then it's great to have a data visualization about psoriasis or atopic dermatitis or something like this. And not something you know, in terms of cardiology, where they don't even really understand what this is about. These stories help to connect emotionally and that best works if that is something that people can you know, understand. So if you explain something about data visualization to your finance department, yeah, then come up with something you know, financial, um, you know, something that maybe about the stock market or something about the, the, um, what is the benefit of purchasing different things or kind of the how do you visualize um, where the different um, gains and losses in the, in the business come from, these kind of things. And that leads directly then into the point of why is visualization important? Why will it help them? What is important for them there? That is also something where you can then connect with why is what they will learn now important for them and that will also help them to see how they will use it in the, in the next way. As a next step, I'm speaking about the difference between explanatory and exploratory data visualization. And I asked them after I've kind of talked about this, where do they mostly work with? Is it either explanatory or exploratory or both? And you see, there's another kind of engagement. Yeah? I'm trying to connect, interact with the participants as much as possible. This is especially important for virtual trainings. Um, because in virtual environments, you get so easily distracted. Yeah? And with asking them to interact with, even if it's just kind of writing in the chat, I'm exploratory, explanatory, or both. Yeah? That keeps the engagement high. Next step 
is then to get them actually doing something. So I speak through an example, the example data set that you know is relevant to them, and ask them to sketch this data with pen and paper. And then I do a little bit of a trick. So I ask them to do this, and I say, if you have any questions, just kind of let me know. I do this a couple of times, then I wait for a couple of seconds, and then, you know, usually nobody has any questions other than kind of maybe a little bit about the data set. And then I say, could you stop for a moment? You don't have all the information you need. Could you imagine what is missing here? Sometimes really clever uh, people are in it and they directly recognize it, but very often it takes some time up to the moment where they see, hmm, say I'm missing the information about the context. Who is the audience? In which environment? Will the data visualization be used? Is it you know used on a on a smartphone? Is it used in a big auditorium? Is it used in a paper or in a study report? What's the goal that we want to achieve here? You know, do, what specific message do we want to uh, convey here? And so that helps them to really get this point home. This kind of little trick is, is really effective for them to remember context matters. Because it feels kind of uncomfortable for them. And this kind of feeling uncomfortable helps them to remember things better. I learned about kind of that from some uh, psychologists. And they said, you really best learn if you, or you best remember if there's some kind of emotional connection to something. Yeah. And that emotional connection can be, you know, something bad or something good. Um, but there needs to be some kind of emotional trigger that will help the brain to more easily remember it. And so with this little kind of trick that say I put them on the spot, that helps them to remember it better. Now, even in virtual situations, I always ask them to say sketching with pen and paper. Why pen and paper? Well, I also tell that in the, in the training, pen and paper has a couple of benefits. The first is, you're not limited by how well you know the tool, be it Excel or R or SARS or whatsoever. Yeah? You can be much more kind of free in terms of sketching things. And also you kind of build it more kind of naturally. You kind of, you need to make every decision yourself. You don't work from a template. Yeah? If you start with Excel, you always start with some kind of template. If you start with R, you always start with some kind of template, yeah? some kind of default settings. 
And um, if you need to develop it yourself, you're making conscious decisions about all these little things. The second is you're much more likely to discard something on pen and paper. Yeah, uh, Iteration is really, really important. Trying out lots of different things is really, really important. And with pen and paper, you can sketch out lots of lots of different data visualizations in a very, very short period of time. Whereas if you do it in R, unless you're kind of a wizard in R, um, it always will take you quite some time to do it or in Excel. And once you have already spent, let's say, two hours on a data visualization, um, you have this kind of sunken cost bias. You're attached to this graphic already and you don't want to throw it away because you have already invested so much. And to overcome that, it's really good to lower the effort. So with pen and paper, you can, you know, fine tune things over time really, really nice. And in this repetition, you increase the quality. There's also some nice research about it that um, if you ask two groups to produce something and you ask one group to do it perfectly and the other group to have lots of quantity, the surprising result is very often that the second group the one that is asked for quantity actually develops better quality. Because over time, they learn and learn and learn. And that way, instead of trying to get one thing really, really great, through the process, they, they get it done really, really good. Because always they kind of, you know, make decisions again and again and again and reevaluate them all the time. And that way you come to a better result. I also talk about this kind of practice of exercising and repetition and, and seeking feedback uh, quite a lot. So when uh, people have done their sketches, I, I speak about feedback and why it's important. Yeah? And I bring an example that even you know absolute gurus very often get it wrong the first time. For example, you can refer to Alberto Cairo, who in a training to me once said that, um, you know, he very often discards things after he has presented it to the target audience or completely need to revise it. Yeah? Because even though you might be an expert in data visualization, you never can completely anticipate how it will come across to your audience in a given context. So then I, when everybody has sketched their, uh, their data visualization, and I usually give them something like 10 minutes for it, I ask them to provide, you know, some kind of self-evaluation of it. Um, so I ask them to critique it themselves first. Um, that shows me directly kind of what they have already understood, what they didn't do because maybe they didn't have any colored pens or something like this, um, 
what I would have done differently. And then I can say, yes, this is, here's a really, really nice principle that you applied. Yeah, so some Gestalt principle, for, for example, or uh, here you really eliminated clutter or something like this. So I can highlight certain good things. And I can also kind of say, and potentially you can do this here differently. Yeah. Um, for example, if you have, if the participants had done um, vertical bar charts and the labels for each of these bars is pretty long, and you can say, hey, why don't you use the horizontal bar charts? Then you have much more space to write your labels. Um, so come with these suggestions, but also emphasize what they have done well. And that will create an environment where there's really good kind of backwards and forward. And it's not, it's really a safe space for people to speak about what they have done. Um, if you are too harsh, people will not share what they have done. And then that misses the whole point. Yeah. So I think it's really, really important to, to really be, have supportive feedback there and that it really comes across that you try to help them. Sometimes there's also then a really good discussions about pros and cons. And um, one of the points you can make there is that it's, that there's never kind of some perfect data visualization. There's always something that is imperfect. Just given the kind of time constraints. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. And so if people understand these kind of different trade-offs, uh, that's a great learning experience. Then I talk about Gestalt principles. So I show a picture that visualizes these and um, but I focus really on, on only a few of, of the many Gestalt principles because I think going through uh, seven, eight or nine, depending on how many you want to show, it's quite a lot of things. And then I ask them to redo their sketches. Yeah, so depending on how much time you have for the training, usually it needs to be, I think, between 90 minutes and, and two hours, you can have a couple of different uh, sketching parts in it. If it's 90 minutes, it's probably more kind of like two sketches. If uh, you have 120 minutes, you can probably do three or four. That also depends on how many participants you have. So if you have 20 participants and you want to go through lots of these different uh, data visualization, of course, then it takes much longer. If you have only six participants, things can go quicker. Uh, and of course, it depends on how interactive the people are. After another sketch, um, I talk about eliminating clutter. And there I use a really, really nice example from um, Cole Nussbaumer Nafleck um, about when people start shopping for, uh, for the holiday season. In the US. And it's really, really cluttered. 3D bar chart, 
lots of grid lines in it and, and things like this. And I ask, show them first this kind of really cluttered bar chart and ask them, what would you do to eliminate clutter here? What can you take away? Uh, speak about, you know, really good design is the principle of elimination. It's about taking as much away as possible so that, you know, the function is still there, but only those parts are still in there that are really critical. And then usually they come up with all kind of different good suggestions. And then I show kind of what cold it how kind of step by step she goes through this example and takes away different elements of clutter, like the grid lines or the tick marks. One of the things is that she's really great in using gray to have different layers and there I can then speak about the power of gray on a, on a white or black background and how you can have you know things that are less important put more into the background so that they're not so dominant. Things like axes, labels, tick marks. And one of the things is also that in this bar chart there's these different uh, numbers for the different bars in it and completely takes away the y-axis which very often creates this wow effect, especially for statisticians. You know, that are kind of so used to show the y-axis. And so that is a really, really interesting exercise and very often something that people remember. And I think especially asking them first, what would you eliminate, creates then this expectation, is that right? Or is there something that I've missed, that can also be taken away. And there's usually something like that. So then I do potentially another sketch. And then depending on the audience, I will talk about uh, variability. For, for statisticians in the healthcare sector, I will talk about how you can potentially show individual patients. Yeah? How you can show random errors how you can show confidence intervals, how you can bring in, you know, distributions, all these kind of different things. Um, I think this is really, really important for, especially for statisticians, uh, to be able to communicate. For non-statisticians, people that are, let's say, more beginners in terms of data visualization, it's already usually a very, very complex topic. At the end of the training, I always then close the loop. You know, at the beginning, I set the expectation and then I ask about what you have learned. And then I can see kind of whether the expectations are met. And that usually is a great way for them to reflect on the training, to reiterate what they have learned. Yeah, it's, it's, I, I really like this format of at the beginning, tell about what they will learn, then having them learn it, and then reflecting about what they have learned. And that way that additionally kind of helps them to remember things, 
to reflect on, oh, that was 90 minutes, 120 minutes well spent. And that creates some kind of feeling of accomplishment. I think this is really, really important so that these people then go and tell others about your training, that these people refer you to maybe their supervisors to say, hey, I had this great training. I think our whole team should get it. Or, and these kind of things really help to kind of spread the word and that you get also really nice testimonials about your training that you can then further use to promote the training thereafter. And then I just kind of end with, here's a couple of references that you can read about and learn about more. Um, maybe there's some kind of additional things that you're doing within your company, within your organization in terms of data visualization training that you can uh, use there. And then do some kind of follow-up there. Yeah, Send some, some kind of survey. I think that's by now, I think, pretty standard that, that you ask for feedback about it. And that will also help you to, to kind of improve the training, you know, uh, fine-tune things over and over so that you get better and better. And lots of the features that I just talked about, I learned about this kind of follow-up questionnaire. So that is how I teach people in terms of data visualization. Yeah, Go to our homepage and they will see all these different steps in terms of setting expectations, having a case study, telling stories, uh, engaging with the people, asking them to sketch things with pen and paper, and then introducing gestalt principles, eliminating clutter, I am also the pre-attentive attributes I talk about, and how I close then the loop in terms of asking what they have learned. Have fun doing your own visualization training. And if you want to learn more about data visualization, there's actually a whole site on the effective statistician that is dedicated to resources, trainings, all about data visualization. Have a look there and use these for your data visualization uh, trainings as well. And I'm pretty sure you also learned a lot about certain techniques that you can include in any other training, be it about base, about sample size, about descriptive statistics, whatsoever. I think it's really important that we as statisticians are really, really good uh, teachers. So stay tuned for more. This show was created in association with PSI, thanks to Rain, who helps with the show in the background, and thank you for listening. Head over to theeffectivestatistician.com where you will find lots about visualization, lots of training material, lots of different things that you can use to improve your data visualization skills and also materials that you can then use to help others in this aspect as well. Reach your potential, lead great science and serve patients. Just be an effective statistician.